coming up this evening live from New York City. Amazon shutting down its health service, rethinking its approach for expanding into healthcare. Peloton shares tumble after the fitness company reports a big quarterly loss. But its CEO says he has a plan. And California's checkbooks are finally made public. A decade of trying from a watchdog group shows us what the state is spending taxpayer money on. That and much more coming up on NTD Business. Great to have you with us. Don Ma here for NTD Business. And the debate continues over President Biden's plan to forgive up to $20,000 of student loan debt. Some borrowers rejoiced at the news. Some say it's not enough. Some are pushing for canceling the debt in full. Diane Tu reports. When Tara Migliore Potter heard U.S. President Joe Biden say $10,000 of her student loans would be forgiven, she was ready to celebrate. I'm going to raise a glass and, and toast with my friends that, uh, you know, a lot of us have been carrying this debt for years and that we get to at least see a piece of it um, forgiven is really wonderful. But in practice, she's not sure what this forgiveness means for her life. I don't know if it's going to change my payment amount very much or at all. If I were able to have more money uh, in my monthly budget, it would mean saving for retirement, um, buying life insurance, things like that, that uh, just ensure that continued financial stability, because uh, that's not something we have right now. All the money goes to current living expenses and um, paying off the debt. Potter, who works at a Seattle food bank, said paying off these student loans is like living in a hamster wheel with no end in sight. She said she's ready to support collective actions like the Can't Pay, Won't Pay student debt strike organized by the Debt Collective. The group is a national organization that's pushing for full student loan debt cancellation. Madeline Clifford is a volunteer with them. The 35-year-old is a writer and musician in Oakland, California. After a master's in fine arts at Mills College, she has roughly $100,000 in student loan debt. What we're doing with the Debt Collective is really pushing and applying that pressure because a full cancellation is, is also like, it's like, oh, you're asking for too much, you're asking for too much. I'm asking to be back at zero. I'm asking for a fair chance, like, to actually build wealth. Clifford believes it's important to keep pushing because too many people have their lives swallowed up by their educational debts. Biden's announcement means that we need to continue to apply pressure because um, it's great that he's made that decision and he's made the right decision and he's going in the right direction. But also, as people, we don't have to accept crumbs. U.S. consumers carry a massive $1.75 trillion in student loan debt, most of it held by the federal government. Republicans have mostly opposed the student debt forgiveness, calling it unfair, but in defense of his decision announced on Wednesday, Biden said it would see funds flowing back into the country's economy. Meanwhile, on the other side of the debate, some say canceling student loan debts is unfair to those who have paid them back already and also adds burden to the taxpayer. Prominent economist Stephen Moore says it sends the wrong message to Americans, and universities will be encouraged to raise tuitions even more. He's a former Trump advisor and is the co-founder of the Committee to Unleash Prosperity. Here he is. Steve, thanks for coming on. You know, a lot of discussion right now surrounding Biden canceling $10,000 of student loan debt. But what I want to know is, what message is 
Biden sending by canceling these loan debts? Well, one of the biggest problems with this uh, latest proposal for the student loan, um, what they're calling forgiveness, is uh, a disastrous policy. It will only encourage people in the future not to pay back their loans. It rewards people for bad behavior. Um, you know, we, we have a term uh, for people who don't pay their uh, loans that they've agreed to repay, and that's a deadbeat. And all we're doing is encouraging that kind of behavior. And it's not fair to the half of Americans in the workforce who never went to college, and now they have to pay more taxes for the people who did. Now, on that point of not rewarding bad behavior, some families, for some families, parents had to sacrifice a lot to be able to afford for their kids to go to college. What are you saying then when, when you forgive, in some cases, $20,000 worth of student loans? Well, I guarantee you this, that this will be the essentially the end of the student loan program, because why would anybody ever in the future repay their student loan if the government's going to forgive it? And so the people are the real um, victims here are the people who did the right thing and saved and did the honorable thing, and then they paid back their loan. That's what a, a stand-up person does. And so um, the other problem here is that the universities are also co-conspirators in this in this scam. So I just looked at the numbers. The American universities have $700 billion, $700 billion, not millions, of, of uh, endowments. Why should the taxpayer be on the hook on the, for this? What we should do is tax those endowments and may force the universities uh, who gave often fraudulent education to these families and kids, the universities should be on the hook, not the taxpayers. Right, right. I, I hear you. And, and you mentioned the student loan program. What is the merit of that? Well, the student loan program has had benefits, but it's also had huge costs. So it's been beneficial in that it's allowed a lot of people to go to college that might not otherwise be able to afford it. The problem is that student loan program has not made college more affordable because every time we increase the amount of student loan um, uh, loan payments, the, the universities just respond by raising the tuition. So it's like a, a dog chasing its tail. Over the last 40 years, college tuition has risen tr triple the rate of the inflation rate. Right. And I've heard you mention uh, the industrial complex between big, big universities. Can you explain what that is? Yeah, well, we have, a, we have a university industrial complex right now that they get all of this money from taxpayers, they get a lot of money from businesses, and then they use that money to lobby for you know, more money. And so families just can't afford it as those tuitions go through the roof. I wouldn't be surprised if we don't see, um, as a result of this program that Biden wants, you know, pretty soon universities are charging families $100,000 a year in tuition. Right. You know, the high tuition costs, a lot of students burdened with tons of debt. What's the solution then? What's the alternative to make young people get a quality education? Yeah, I have a couple of solutions. One is the universities should be really the state governments, especially when it comes to public universities, have to have to cap the um, tuitions. So in other words, uh, they, there should be a plan for every year for the next 10 years for these universities to reduce their tuition by two or 3% a year. Number two, we should require students to work while they're in college. So instead of taking out loans, um, we should require every student who wants, uh, you know, who needs financial assistance to work 20 hours a week while they're in college. Because the one thing college students have is plenty of time. That might mean they might not be able to go to all the fraternity parties. Uh, and then finally, these endowments should be used for lowering university costs. All right, thank you very much. Stephen Moore, co-founder committee to Unleash Prosperity. Thank you very much today. Thank you, anytime. U.S. consumers could be going deeper into debt.
due to surging prices for new cars. The average price of a new vehicle loan hit a record high of $40,290 in the second quarter. This is according to credit monitoring company Experian. The average monthly payment for a new vehicle loan is up nearly 15% from a year ago. The average amount borrowed rose 13.2%. Despite the Fed's efforts to cool the economy, prices of new vehicles have been rising faster than inflation for most of the year. The price of the average vehicle hit a record $46,259 in August. Experian said loan data showed that more customers are now opting for a used vehicle as prices go up. And California is expected to ban new gasoline car sales by 2035. Regulators will vote on the measure today. The vote comes after Governor Gavin Newsom's executive order mandating that all vehicles sold in the state must be zero emissions by 2035. If it passes, it would be one of the first such bans worldwide. The Biden administration earlier this year reinstated California's ability to set its own vehicle emission standards. It's after the Trump administration removed that ability back in 2019. The measure wouldn't impact used gasoline cars, though. For now, they would be allowed to stay on the road. And also in California, after a decade of trying, one watchdog group has finally gotten access to the state's books. So now we get to know what California's government is spending on with its taxpayer money. NTD's Colin Fredrickson speaks with the CEO of this group called Open the Books to learn more. The California government spending has finally been made public. OpenTheBooks.com, the world's largest private database of America's public expenditures, has spent a decade trying to open California's books. It has succeeded in opening every other state's books. California was the one and only holdout because the state controller refused to cooperate. Eventually, we filed 442 Freedom of Information Act sunshine requests under the California Public Records Act on every single state agency and we successfully captured about 98% of state expenditures. Adam Angievsky is the founder and CEO of OpenTheBooks.com. Angievsky says only 27 state agencies have refused to be transparent, most of them small junior colleges. Based on the data we do have, California is the third biggest spender, according to OpenTheBooks' latest numbers. It's behind Texas and New York, and it paid that money to the second largest number of vendors behind Ohio. The Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation got over $400,000 in taxpayer money, and the Tides Advocacy Group, which supports left-of-center causes, got $4 million. Angievsky says knowing how the state is spending your money helps us hold them accountable. For example, Governor Newsom He seeks to be an environmentalist. But in the state checkbook, we found millions of dollars worth of state payments flowed to three out of the top four plastic polluters in the world. This was PepsiCo, Coca-Cola, and and Nestle. Angievsky also says he found signs firms could be trying to buy favor with the governor. Some of the largest corporations in California, those corporations that have a virtual marketplace monopoly oftentimes within the fields of telecom, energy, and healthcare, they're also the largest donors to the governor's wives' public charity. Her charity is called The Representation Project, which says it's dedicated to fighting sexism through filmmaking. The companies include AT&T, Comcast, Kaiser Permanente, and Planned Parenthood. For more information, head over to OpenTheBooks.com. Colin Fredrickson, NTD News. 
On Wall Street today, stocks rallied, led by the Nasdaq. It rose 208 points, or 1 and 7 tenths of a percent. The Dow gained 323 points, or 1 percent. The S&P added 58 points, or 1 and 4 tenths of a percent. And it looks like Congress wants to hear what the Twitter whistleblower has to say. The former head of Twitter security, Peter Zatko, is scheduled to testify at a Senate hearing next month. He alleges the social media company has significant security issues when it comes to user data. He's also accusing Twitter officials of misleading the company's board and its regulators. Zatko's claims were sent to numerous government agencies and congressional committees in a lengthy disclosure last month. Twitter says Zatko was fired in January for what it claims was poor performance and denies his allegations. Amazon will shut down its health care service, Amazon Care. Amazon Care started back in 2019. It was mostly for its own employees. And in, in, in February this year, Amazon expanded it nationwide. It's not totally clear why it was shut down, but in a company memo, an Amazon executive said Amazon Care wasn't a complete enough offering for the enterprise customers it's been targeting. Enterprise customers, as in big businesses. It's unknown how big Amazon Care became, but despite the, dis- the, the closure, Amazon said it learned a lot about the healthcare industry. It believes America's healthcare is ripe for reinvention. Just last month, Amazon bought healthcare provider One Medical, and just this week, the Wall Street Journal claimed Amazon is bidding for another healthcare service provider. An exercise equipment company Peloton's shares fell 18% today after reporting a loss of over a billion dollars for the most recent quarter. But Peloton's CEO says he has a plan to turn the company around. NTD's Sean Marshall has more details on what that plan is. What's up, y'all? Hey, what's going on? What's going on, Peloton? Peloton Interactive reported an operating loss of $1.2 billion in quarter four as revenue came in below Wall Street's expectations. But Pelton has a few new things they're working on. Among the new initiatives of fitness is the service, um, the sale of previously owned bikes, um, evolution of our digital app uh, strategy, which we'll have more to say over the next several months, um, um, among other initiatives, like the introduction of the, of the rower and the new pricing strategy. Bob Bilbrook has experience in the industry. I think with Barry McCarthy, who obviously has a tremendous amount of experience with kind of um, subscription-based models with Spotify and Netflix, that he's definitely the right guy uh, to be in charge at this time. Although revenue has tapered off from its COVID highs, Peloton subscriptions continue to climb. There's other players out there that they can partner with, um, you know, Alibaba, Newegg.com, other groups that they could partner with and build those channels out. And then also when you talk about app space, you really start talking about affiliate programs, you know, and there's a whole runway of opportunity there to create a pretty robust affiliate program and, you know, get their app into the hands of more people. Pelton announced yesterday that they've teamed up with Amazon. It's Pelton's first partnership with another retailer to sell merchandise. They're also looking for other retailers to further their reach with similar deals. Sean Marshall, NTD News. Party City announced plans to hire 20,000 temporary workers for this Halloween season. This is 3,000 more workers than the company hired compared to last year. 
The new positions will include team leaders, supervisors, sales and stock associates, and cashiers. The company said at least 10% of those hires will be offered permanent jobs at the end of the season. And there may be a viral phenomenon taking place in offices across the U.S. It's called quiet quitting. What is it exactly? How did it start? NTD's Phil Zoe has the story. Kristen Morris is a young professional in Texas. She's been able to keep her first full-time job since graduation for over seven years now, but that did not come easy. It was my first full-time job out of college, so I really wanted to make a good first impression, seem like I'm going above and beyond doing even more than they could possibly want for me to do. I mean, basically just staying late, doing extra projects, asking people if they needed anything else extra done. But since the pandemic, the company has shifted to remote work, and so has some employees' attitudes towards work. So I used to stay late all the time, put in a lot of extra work, and now it's like, when I'm done for the day, I'm done for the day. Morris is now part of a workplace trend called quiet quitting. It's basically meeting the bare minimum requirements expected at work. That's it. No more going above and beyond or striving for more. I'm paid for 40 hours a week, and I give you 40 hours a week. I, I'm not going to work 50 or 60 hours just for those 40s. Or even if I have the option to, to work for those 50 or 60, I want to have a life outside of work. Ira Wolf is the founder of Success Performance Solutions, helping match the right workers with the right companies. He says employers are not fans of this quiet quitting trend. They're really looking at it from a negative side, that our employees aren't willing to give us 150 percent. They're not willing to, to cross that line. Historically, Wolf says, employers always had the upper hand because there were many good workers to choose from. People had to hold on to their jobs. If they, if they were let go, there was another person, another employee possibly waiting in line. But the tides have turned, he says, because of the high demand for talent. Workers now have the upper hand, and some have decided to pretty much coast on the job and pursue a work-life balance. I think quiet quitting is good for employees who may have been burnt out before if they had a commute or really hectic schedule. Wolf says if companies are able to act quickly, they may be able to benefit from this trend. You know, people have an in, innate in nature that want to do the best. They want to be liked. They want to be recognized. Those, those are inherent, uh, inherent traits of a human being. Uh, so there's an opportunity for companies to really respond and take, uh, not take advantage, but uh, accept the, the calling that a lot of employees are having to go out and, uh, you know, give, give them a purpose. Phil Zoe, NTD News. The moment Apple fans are waiting for every year is just a couple weeks away. Wednesday, Apple announced its annual September event. This year, it's called Far Out and will be on the 7th. No product details about the event yet, but it's usually when Apple reveals its next generation iPhone lineup. Rumors say the next iPhone 14 is ditching the notch that currently houses the selfie camera. The company is also expected to announce a release date for its latest mobile operating system, iOS 16. Apple will broadcast the event on its website on September 7th. It looks like PlayStation 5 consoles are going to be more expensive in some parts of the world. Sony announced it's raising the prices by as much as 20%. The U.S. will not be affected by this hike, at least not yet, but where prices will go up is Europe. Africa, Latin America, Asia, and Canada. Sony officials say the increase is needed due in part to inflation.
The company's sales have slumped recently. PlayStation game sales dropped 26% in the second quarter compared to the year before. Still to come, a new coffee collection inspired by the TV show Friends. They're even bringing the show's coffee house to reality. And 200 skydivers this week are trying to set a new world record, pushing the limits of what's possible. That and more coming up on NTD Business. Welcome back. Coffee is best enjoyed with friends, right? But when we say friends, we actually mean the TV show friends. Now you can actually get your hands on some real Central Perk coffee. Any fan of the show knows Central Perk Coffee House is a big part of friends. It's where the characters frequently hang out. And now an actual Central Perk Coffee House is in the works and could actually have a physical location next year. Meanwhile, Central Perk products are available online right now. There are three types of coffee to choose from, and they're all named after famous lines from the show, like, How you doing? And, We were on a coffee break. And, Pivot Blend. This whole thing is a collaboration between the sitcom's creators, Warner Brothers, and top chef judge Tom Colicchio. And if you've seen the Pixar movie Cars and wondered how much they would cost in real life, well, wonder no more. Here is the Porsche 911 Sally special, which you can see here looks just like the Cars character Sally Carrera. It was up for auction this weekend, and RM Sotheby's says it sold for a record $3.6 million. The sale is a record for a new Porsche sold at auctions. Makes sense, though, considering this car is the only one of its kind ever to be made. Also this week, 200 skydivers from 25 countries are attempting to break a world record. Despite the challenge they face, participants are thrilled to be part of the experience. Here's the story. This week, 200 skydivers from 19 to 55 are attempting to break a world record in the Chicago area. They want to create the largest vertical skydive. All jumpers exit their planes at 19,000 feet and fly together to create one giant formation. Brooke Nelson, CEO of Skydive Chicago and lead organizer of the event says, growing the size of the formation has been a lifelong project. This is our ninth world record. We started back in, I believe, 99 with uh, 24 people, and now here we are, 2022, with 200. As the number of people increases, the challenges grow. 200 people jumping out from 10 planes have less than a minute to form the pattern. Getting the people uh, and the skill to achieve these records is always a challenge. And then uh, just getting to work as a team and unite and, um, you know, putting everybody together in 50 seconds is, is sometimes tricky. Andy Malchiotti, who had his first world record in 2005, loves challenges. The biggest challenge and the biggest satisfaction is that every single variable needs to click together at the same time. And there are a lot of variables. <laughs> because of the difficulties, Tracy Holman, event manager of Skydive Chicago, says participants are selected based on their performance in the tryouts. 
it's really just going to be who can fly, who can be in their slot, who's a really strong flyer, um, who can get there really quickly and, you know, can be bumped into in the sky and is not like is going to be able to stay in their spot. So they have to handle a lot of turbulence, everything like that when they're flying. So it's a lot of experience up there. Most everybody up there has at least a thousand skydives, if not multiple thousands and hundreds of hours in the wind tunnel. Anna Moxness from Norway has multiple skydiving world records. She says the experience of connecting with others in the sky is unparalleled. It's really special because you get to work together as such a big team and that moment when it all connects there's like an energy that passes through the formation and it's like a feeling you're not gonna get anywhere else in life. <laughs> the skydivers have been trying four to five times from 8 a.m. to sunset every day since Monday and will continue through Friday. Reporting by Angela Moy from the Sky, NTD News. And that's all the stories we have from the NTD business team and myself, Don Ma. You can follow me on Twitter too. If you have any news tips or feedback, email us at business at We read every email. That's all for today. Thanks for watching. See you tomorrow.